welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Today, I want to just start by looking at three uh, things to note. Firstly, God's choosing of Israel. Secondly, God's uh, hand on Israel throughout history. And thirdly, God's future for Israel. And so uh, let's start by looking at the book of Genesis. If you've got a Bible, uh, turn there, chapter 12, and hopefully we have the scriptures popping up here as well. Um, In Genesis 12, verse 1, you might have heard of a guy called Abram. And uh, God came and spoke to him and said, Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. We'll stop right there. Abram is known as the father of faith. And his faith was going to be exercised right on the basis of that statement. Because notice God says, go to the land that I'll show you later on the way. He didn't give him a a full plan and picture of exactly what was going to happen. And isn't that true of the walk of faith, that we don't always know all that we'd like to know? We'd love to have things all planned out. And sometimes God will give you a long-term vision and you might be able to you know, schedule and set a, set a whole set of goals to get something achieved. But other times it's just one step at a time. It's just obeying God, trusting in God, walking by faith as Abraham did. And so um, I think that's quite interesting that God said that. Uh, But notice the next, this is something you don't hear very often. God says, I will make you into a great nation. Now I've had the Lord speak to me in different ways. Can't say he's ever said that. And I don't think many people throughout history could lay claim to that one. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And watch this, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's pretty wild, isn't it? And so God promises this and he calls Abram into a covenant, a relationship with commitments on both sides. And Abram and his descendants would have to be committed to Walk by faith, follow God, obey God. And also all the males had to be circumcised, which was a sign of them being separated from the world, being cut away from the world and set aside for God. On God's side, he said, well, I promise to do this. I'm going to give you children so many that they will end up becoming this great nation. And he even changed Abram's name. His name Abram meant uh, honoured father. But Abraham as he was called, means father of a multitude. And God did that. And so the kids came along, the generations came along. But as is often the way with God's plans and promises, things don't just work out so simply and easily. So even though they became a nation, that whole nation ends up being enslaved in Egypt, uh, far from their promised land of Canaan. And so Moses comes along. And God uses him to lead the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt and on the way to the promised land and they spend 40 years in the desert. And on the way, 
when you read through the next few books of the Bible, you see these constant reminders of God's special choosing of Israel. He's built them up as a nation and he tells them how special they are. And there's a lot of passages, I'll just read a few. Look at Leviticus 20 verse 26. This is God speaking to the Jewish people and he says, You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I've set you apart from the nations to be my own, his own people. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Exodus 19 verse 5. This is God speaking through Moses to the people. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. There's that phrase again. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to Israelites. So God chose them. They were very special. But why were they chosen? What were they chosen for? Because when you read that and you think, well, maybe does that kind of mean that God's weirdly selective and loves people differently and just chose them to love on them and ignore the rest of humankind? Not at all, because he called Israel to be a connection between himself and other people, a conduit, a, a way of reaching others, a source of blessing to other nations and other people. And, uh, and in fact, if you look at that last verse we read uh, in Exodus, it said they'd be a kingdom of priests. Well, of course, a priest is a, a mediator between God and man. And, um, and although they were the immediate recipients of God's blessings and God's promises, the Jews were supposed to keep, weren't supposed to keep those promises for themselves, but to share them. Because remember what Abraham was told, you'll be a great nation, but through you, all the other nations will be blessed. Now, of course, they were able to do this through Jesus coming to earth and seed of God, but also seed of man through the Jewish people. But, uh, again, it's not always quite that simple. God's plan for them to be this blessing to other nations uh, got fractured. I mean, it's reiterated throughout the Old Testament. Um, look at a couple more in Isaiah. Uh, later on, you know, the prophet in Isaiah 42 verse 6, God says, I've called you in righteousness. This is to Israel. I will take hold of your hand, I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. So the Gentile, the, the Israel were meant to shine to the world as an example of what God can do when he blesses people, when they obey him, when they follow him. And that would be noticeable, like a light shining. And then, uh, then another prophet, Jeremiah, uh, we read about how, again, Israel was chosen um, to show God's glory, to praise God throughout the earth. Uh, Jeremiah 13, 11 says this, For as a belt is bound around the waist, so I bound all the people of Israel and all the people of Judah to me, this is God speaking, to be my people for my renown and praise and honour. But 
They have not listened. Okay, so here's the big but. So I know I've just given you a whole bunch of scriptures and it's a bit of a wild ride of history through the Old Testament, but we're getting to a, a big deal. The, as you probably know, by the time Jeremiah writes that prophecy, Israel had failed to fulfil their side of the covenant. They'd been unable to keep the commandments. They'd actually grown proud about being the chosen people. They had forgotten their role in bringing God to the world. They considered Gentiles second-class citizens. And what's worse, they'd constantly fallen away from worshipping and obeying and following God like they should have. And you see that when you read the Old Testament, you get this roller coaster relationship, don't you, between Israel and God. And they would, uh, they would get full on uh, and then they would fall away. They would backslide. They'd get constantly influenced by pagan religions and, and, and things that God considered abhorrent and unholy. And so then he would allow them to be judged or invaded or attacked. And so then they'd suffer, they'd cry out, they'd repent, they'd come back to God and say, all right then, and you know, over and over again. And so God sends prophets and we have these books in our Bible where these prophets and the prophecies recorded all these warnings. And uh, it's a hard read sometimes because you think, oh, guys, why didn't you listen? You know, and constantly going, I'm just reading through Ezekiel at the moment. And God is laying it on thick to them saying, this is really, you know, how you have messed up. And, uh, and so they ignored the warnings. And so God, as you may know, finally allowed foreign invaders to come in took over their uh, country and take them all off into captivity into Babylon, which was the first of many times throughout history that the Israelites have been scattered, the diaspora of the Jewish people. And some were left back, you know, hanging out, hardly collected together as a group of people or a nation, but just staying back in different parts, Samaria and down around Israel area, uh, and others, of course, in captivity and suffered terribly and others scattered. And, and of course, they repented again and God said, all right, you can go back. And they uh, were able to go and rebuild the city and the temple in Jerusalem. But they had missed the glory days of David and King Solomon. Uh, so the kingdom was never quite as strong. And then a few hundred years later, the Romans arrive and take over. And that's, that's kind of the Old Testament. There you go. In five minutes. Um, so what do we learn from all this? Well, I understand that God has plans for people. And God is sovereign. And it's easy when you look at the Jewish history, especially if you think of that concept of chosen people. Some people, have, some people in the church in the last couple of thousand years have gone, uh, got a little edgy about that and thought, well, this is not fair. But we as the... Clay, I think, and not to complain to the potter, he's sovereign, he has his ways, he has his plans, and, um, and often that is beyond our understanding. Uh, but we do have the understanding as to why they were chosen, as I said, as this messenger nation to the world. Um, we also learn and realise that promises and plans don't always work out simply and easily. Uh, and, it's, and it's not good enough just to rely, as they did, as a nation generally, on being chosen by God. Oh, well, I'm one of God's elect. Great. I live under grace and I just do whatever I like. And we'll see how that works out because there are consequences. There is 
reaping from sowing. And so we need to, as Israel needed to, walk by faith and obedience to God. And of course, the other thing you learn there is that rebellion and sin and disobedience never pays off. And you see that all through the Old Testament. So after Jesus came, the second thing I want to touch on this morning is that God's hand has stayed on them as a nation. He's still got a plan for them. Because, you know, when Jesus came to earth, most of the Israelites rejected him as the Messiah. Uh, and, and the church, okay, it started off predominantly with Jewish people. But soon after, the Gentiles started coming in. And a lot of the Jewish people just dug their heels in, rejected Jesus, uh, didn't join his church and follow his new revelation that he was the Messiah. And the church grew around the world largely with Gentile, non-Jewish people to the point that the Jews seems to have been left behind in terms of God's plans and what about being God's chosen people. But when you look at history, you see God hasn't forgotten them at all. Uh, it's not the end. He still has a plan. He still has his hand on them. And when you study history, you see some pretty unique things about Israel. For example, all throughout human history, people, political leaders, entire nations even, have had a thing about trying to wipe the Israelites out, just eradicate them, not just have a go, not just a little bit of racial tension here and there, total annihilation. Uh, you know, after Jesus went back to heaven, uh, in 70 AD, the Romans uh, came in and they sacked Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple, and the historian Josephus, he reckons that there were about a million Jewish people that were killed at that time. And uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of others were sent off all over the Roman Empire as slaves. And so another scattering. Um, and then a few years later, you may know of Masada, 73 AD, this siege, and all the Jewish people on the top of this hill where they were in this sort of fortress, uh, all died. Some say they were suicide, they suicided, others say that it was not in their faith and their religion and their commitment so they wouldn't have died that way but they were all wiped out and then fast forward another 50 years the Roman Emperor uh, Hadrian came in and there was another uprising Jewish political leaders wanted freedom from Rome and he said no I'm wiping you all out and he, he uh, kicked out every Jewish person out of Jerusalem and barred them from ever coming back so this is their home city this is their homeland and so now they had no land to call their own. And yet, even without a homeland, they have survived over the last 2,000 years. And they were scattered all over the world. They were persecuted continually. And yet they maintained this strong national identity and culture and language. And uh, that's impossible to explain in the natural. Really, there, you know, there's, a, there's clearly a supernatural element to their history, their survival. In fact, uh, Michael sent me a, a video of uh, Dennis Prager. He's a popular Jewish speaker. And he said, there are three things about the Jews that have no secular or natural answer and that prove the existence of God. The survival of the Jews, the return of the Jews, and the hatred of the Jews. It's beyond the norm. It's beyond natural. I mean, the Holocaust is, of course, the most notable example of how this hatred can manifest. But it's not the only time 
in history where people have tried to rid the earth of God's chosen people. And there exists this demonically inspired force that can come against them at different times, that gets a hold of different people. And, and yet they've carried on. Like I said, they've, in fact, they've often prospered. You know, the Jewish people often do really well. And over the centuries, in close-knit communities all over the place. Um, and then, you know, when you go through history, you may know that in the late 1800s, this Zionist movement began. And it got momentum going into the 20th century where they, a group of people were getting together saying, we want to return to our homeland. We want a nation state of Israel and, um, and we want, you know, a modern nation. Well, about a thousand years, or more than that, I can't do the math, 3,000 years, I guess, before that, uh, Isaiah prophesied this. In uh, Isaiah 66, verse 8, it says, look at this. Who has ever heard of such things? Who's ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labour than she gives birth to her children. That sounds bizarre, doesn't it? Sounds impossible. Kind of weird concept that a nation can just sort of start in a day. And yet that prophecy was fulfilled on the 14th of May, 1948. Because David Ben-Gurion, who was the head of the Zionist movement, proclaimed the establishment of the State of Israel. And immediately the two big superpowers, Russia and America at the time, recognised them and said, yep, fine, you're a new nation. Isn't that incredible? And they had had this constant push towards it, but then they established their nation all over again from scratch. Of course, not everyone was happy. The very next day after they made that announcement, they were invaded by all the surrounding Arab countries. But who were much better equipped, uh, better, more experienced armies, the Jewish forces had hardly had any time to get anything together. I think Czechoslovakia sent them some arms and they panicked and, you know, got it act together. They had a lot to live for. They had, you know, everything to live for. And, um, and they, you know, they basically just uh, pushed back the invaders because they were fighting for their survival. And yes, they took over more territory than they had originally uh, been determined to have. And so the political situation in the Middle East is, is crazy. It, it's complex. Uh, but what we can learn uh, is that God's always had a plan for them and that he's always had a purpose and he'll find a way through all the craziness. And I mean, my whole life, I can remember, you know, my father would turn on the ABC News and the one thing that I could hear every single night, in fact, for my whole life, if you turn on the ABC News, one of the reports will be, trouble in the Middle East today. It's like, oh, wow, okay, gee, that's news. There's always trouble in the Middle East. Uh, but, but why is that? Because there's something about those people and that place where Jesus walked that has God's attention and the world's focus and it's not finished yet because the end times are coming and there is a lot the Bible says about that and that place. So even though they rebelled uh, against God, we can see that his hand 
and his heart was there for them. And uh, which means for me, I'll tell you what it means. It means that God is the God of the second chance. God is forgiving and we need to know that. You may have been a rebel. You can sin, you can slip up, you can make mistakes and God still loves you. Come on, that is, that is the take away from that, that when you see their history, God doesn't reject anyone forever. All we've got to do is turn. You know that word repent? It's a very loaded term, isn't it? Oh, it sounds all very religious. It just means to turn around. We go this way, we go on our own, but just repent just means, oh God. And Israel did it, we need to do it, just come back to God. And of course, if we read our Bibles well, we can learn from other people's mistakes <laughs> and not make all those mistakes ourselves. Isn't it more painless to learn from some other bullfed instead of being the bullfed yourself? I mean, we all, you know, the best lessons, yeah, sure, we all muck it up and we go, oh, no, I will never do that again. That really cut deep. That was painful. That was... But so much better if you see someone else's pain and someone else's problems and go, yikes, what a car crash. I'm not, you know, you know they say it's a car crash. It's like, it's terrible, but it's sort of intriguing, you know. It's like it's bad, but you want to look, you know. And, uh, and you, you watch some documentary about somebody's life that's, fallen apart and you just think well what can I learn from that look at the dumb things sometimes it's just a couple of major dumb decisions and then off they go well Old Testament history informs us (laughs) of some rebellion and some disobedience to God and uh, we're even told in the New Testament a number of times talking about the Jewish people it did not benefit them they heard the word but why did it benefit them in book of Hebrews because they didn't mix it with faith they didn't trust God Okay, third thing to note today. You still awake? All good? Okay, is the future of Israel. So we're going to do a detailed study of Romans chapters 9, 10, 11. We're going to be here for 15 hours. That's what it would take to do the detailed study. Let me encourage you to read those three chapters. You know, the book of Romans uh, is amazing. And Paul, as a Jew, of course, when he gets to chapter 9, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes about his fellow Jews and their position before God. And he recounts all the privileges that God has given them, the covenants, the promises, the temple worship, but he laments the fact that most of them have rejected Jesus. He's part of the faithful remnant. He's a Jew that's believed in Jesus, but he explains that salvation was never a birthright just based on their biological descent. Oh, well, God's chosen people, you know. Oh, we're Abraham's children. He says, no, no, it's always been a gift. It's always been based on God's sovereign election and that the Gentiles were now coming into God's kingdom because of their personal faith that the Jewish people needed to have too. The Jews, however, were stuck in their religious ways and they had stumbled over believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And Paul says all this, that's kind of paraphrased, chapter 9. Look at this verse at the end of chapter 9. Paul says, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as it were, by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, who is Jesus. And then in chapter 10, verse 3, again, talking about Israel, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone 
who believes. And they chose not to believe in him. So they've missed it. But there's still hope. And I'm just picking a couple of these verses in this amazing, wonderful, long three-chapter passage. Because uh, in chapter 11, Romans 11 verse 25, says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Saying, in other words, you Gentiles who have become Christians, don't get too proud. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Have you ever heard that before? That's, a, that's an amazing verse, isn't it? What does that mean? As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godliness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Notice that word irrevocable. So those passages are basically saying, although the Jewish people hadn't and still haven't generally accepted Yeshua as Messiah, God hasn't abandoned them. And regardless of their current state of unbelief, God is going to reveal himself in such a way that their faith will follow their election as God's chosen people. That in other words, they're going to recognise Jesus as Messiah. And we don't have time today, but theologians tell us that this will happen at the end of the days uh, before Jesus comes. That there are prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the end times. And this is connected to how Israel and the Jewish people will have a chance to accept Jesus. So, again, what does this mean for us? Well, I think it tells me that God's got a long-term plan. And, and again, in our lives, how frustrated sometimes you get when things aren't working out in the next few hours or days or weeks or months. But if we trust God, he's going to figure it out long-term. And that's worth trusting in. And we also appreciate that God hasn't forgotten his chosen people. And so we should pray for the Jewish people because they need a revelation, just like the Apostle Paul did, and Bob Mendelssohn, and I'm sure Bob won't mind me putting him in the same sentence as the Apostle Paul, as Messianic Jews, Jews who have decided, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. And we're told, when I, I've read uh, people who have been involved with Israel, Christian people, over the last few decades, it would be a massive thing. Uh, I read one guy say he was involved uh, in Israel, one person a year as a Jewish person becoming a Christian, becoming a Messianic Jew, a believer in Jesus. That would be a big deal. And now it's happening all the time. There is an increase, an awareness, a revelation increasing. Um, and we've had connections, Not we were meant to go to Israel before COVID hit, but because... Uh, the Russian churches that we've worked with, some of them are Messianic Jewish ministries who have been reaching out into Israel, a lot of Russian-speaking Jewish people. And they also report a lot of them coming to Christ. And so we can pray for that and for God to reveal himself to them. And we also appreciate, just to come to a close, we are all God's elect. The New Testament tells us that. We all receive the love of God. We can all be recipients, yeah, of God's love, his forgiveness, his grace and his calling on the basis of our faith, regardless of our nationality. 
How cool is that? All because of Jesus. Amen? And so we pray for them. We'll unpack a little more next week about the relationship, like what's the church got to do with Israel and how the prophecies in the Old Testament apply to us. But, um, but we should pray uh, for God's hand on his people and still be appreciative of, uh, of his hand on us, you know, and that we, uh, we are not uh, outside his love but welcomed in simply because of our faith to his family. Praise the Lord. Come on. Oh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you that, uh, wow, the Jewish people have uh, been front and centre of your heart and plans for so long and we, uh, we pray for them to come to a full realisation of, uh, of all your love and all your plans and all your revelation, including Jesus as the Anointed One, the Messiah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that each one of us can become part of your family, that we've been brought in to your family because we trust in you and follow you and we are recipients of all the promises that you gave to Abraham. Thank you, Lord. Help us to appreciate what you've given us. Touch every life here today. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.